yours to play now. The light provides. This is Eventide Radio. Hello and welcome back to Eventide Radio. This is a fan-made Destiny podcast where we have roundtable discussions about a variety of different topics concerning the popular video game franchise. At its core, this show is about having in-depth discussions about the game from a variety of different perspectives. I'm your host, Scott, and with me are my co-hosts, Robin Mapador. And today, we're talking about a couple of different things. We're talking about the crafting shenanigans that have been happening, the DDoS attacks that Bungie's been experiencing, as well as, in good news, Crota's End's grand return to Destiny 2, including the Master Mode that came out this week. So, before we get started, as always... Rob, what have you been up to this week in Destiny? Uh, this week, well, so, I mean, you'll talk about Master Mode came out, so dabbled a little bit with that. Uh, kind of did the typical three runs with the, the the guys, or the boys, I should say. That's what our clan is, or group is called. Um, the Destiny Boys. Yeah, the Destiny Boys. Uh, what else did I do? Oh, just played with a few different weapons, uh tried out the new um checkmate and this weekend this past weekend i did a bunch of just like spire savathun like challenges and triumphs and just kind of finished off like i know it sounds crazy like it's only week five or whatever but i finished getting all of the red border patterns for all the the seasonal weapons because i'm a try hard oh man sweat lord yeah uh no i I haven't gotten all the crota's end weapons yet but all the all the seasonal stuff uh like kept confidence and and bria's love and all that like i finished those off this week and have been kind of playing around with some of the roles on that like outside of the crafting shenanigans like legit crafted weapons so <laughs> did, did that <laughs> map what have you been up to this week this um catching up with the story because i missed two weeks so i was doing that doing some more of the uh seasonal activities i did more stuff on the weekend just gone with the crafting shenanigan stuff um but i did some gms and a uh, ghost of the deep run no, nice. Yeah. Did anything good? No, no. <laughs> it's all just the SMG and repeat gauntlets every single time. Yeah, fair enough. I was also getting caught up in the story. I think I, I'm... Oh, wait. I don't know if I did this week's... I think I'm mostly caught up. I'm I'm either fully caught up or I'm like a week behind, but I got the pattern completed for the fusion rifle. Um, I think it might have been the last week, but I got the pattern completed for the Crota's End machine gun, which is pretty fun. Yeah, I was pretty happy with that. Um, yeah, that's about it. I was just getting caught up, screwing around, playing Crota's End with you guys, and playing the seasonal stuff on my own, kind of. But yeah, so anyways... Before we talk about Crota's End, we'll kind of kind of be the meat of our conversation, probably. But before we get into that, we should probably address the two large elephants in the room, that being the whole crafting situation that happened and the DDoS attacks that Bungie's been experiencing. So, first up, the crafting thing. So Fun gun. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, another one of those kind of situations, like the Prometheus Lens thing, where something's super busted... And it causes a bunch of silliness 
and Bungie decides not to fix it right away, and we kind of get a few days to play around with it, and it's kind of a uh, you had to be there sort of situation. So I believe yes. this whole thing happened with uh, the auto rifle Amit something. I forget what the suffix was on that. But uh, Rob, did you get a chance to play around with that at all? Yeah. So if if you've been living under a rock. Uh, and had no idea that this was going on last weekend. Main, mainly it was over the weekend, and by, what, like Tuesday, Wednesday, they had kind of snuffed it out, although I'm hearing reports and seeing things that it's like you can still kind of break it with a handful of things. But essentially, and the, oh, the really? reason the reason people kind of reference the Amit because it was like the easiest thing to recreate um, and one of the more like jaw-dropping uh, things. But basically you could inject different weapon frames into different weapon models. And so what people were doing is they were taking like the high impact shotgun frame from, um, oh, I'm blanking on the name of the shotgun right now. Uh, the one from, from season of right, opulence. Rag and the, roll or something like that. Well, yeah, Imperial you, you, you decree. Could, Imperial oh, decree. Imperial or you decree. could do the, you could do the rag and hold. That's, that's from, what I was doing. Which, <laughs> yeah. Um, but essentially you could put that in an amet, And so, it was basically every shot was firing like a shotgun pellet spreads worth of bullets. And so when you have an auto rifle firing, basically what Cerberus like wishes it could be. Eight shots, um, I think it was. Eight, yeah, eight shots every time it fires or whatever. And so you're, you're just, you're instantly melting uh, Guardians and Crucible um, and doing all kinds of other things where you, you're outputting way more damage than you should. And it was leading to like funky things where like if you were like laying in a champion and you could melt them faster than like the game was recognizing that you were doing damage. So like their health would like spring back or they would like take all the damage and then die like three seconds later. So it led to a bunch of just crazy stuff. And then people started figuring out other things where you could take the um, the split grenade launcher uh dead messenger and put that in like other weapons as well and so now like you've got forbearance that's firing three grenades and doing it still like traveling on the ground thing and then just like detonating everything and so you're just getting like outrageous damage from weapons that are not supposed to be doing it um some stuff didn't work like you could put cranial spike in like a scout another scout rifle but it wouldn't receive any of the benefits or like I was able to put a rocket launcher frame in a commemoration and it's not <laughs> like every shot was like a rocket or something like that. So so some some stuff didn't really have any like crazy consequences but then yeah you had stuff with like the Amit AR2 where it was basically firing shotgun shots with every bullet and so it led to outrageous damage numbers. People were able to like fry bosses instantaneously in yeah. like <laughs> you know people were doing like master vault of glass like just completely butchering um atheon without even like blinking an eye and so this also led to a bunch of controversy with like people were getting solo flawless completions of all these dungeons that they were never able to do because you have these kind of damage checks that normally prevent the average player from like one phasing the boss and so now you have people like insta melting and so that you led to a bunch of like well now it devalues the 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 people that have done it legit and and there should be you know they everyone thought there should be rollbacks and anyone who earned these things sort of like insincerely should be should have them taken away and we can talk about that a little bit but that's that's kind of the gist of it is like people were making illegal 
frames in in weapons that shouldn't have them and and then you could also what was the other part of it people figured out too you could put other perks yes, on weapons so that shouldn't have, have it eager's edge um right sword so you right just go or flying or what I, yeah and what i saw in pvp is you could put mulligan on a gl yeah and as long as one portion of the shot didn't hit an enemy it like counted as not hitting it so it would refund your grenade and so like <laughs> one of my buddies we we admittedly i went into a handful of like trials and pvp games not with the expectation of like oh i'm gonna finally go flawless a couple of my buddies did but it was like let's be honest but one of my buddies did manage to basically at infinite like just shoot gl uh without ever having to like run out of ammo because he was technically not hitting anything and so it just it led to like outrageous results in pvp and pve and and everyone had their fun for a a weekend and and you know they but ultimately all of this was kind of like well is bungie gonna like roll something back or kick these people or punish anyone and they basically said on friday evening like go nuts we're gonna fix it eventually but no one's gonna get in trouble for exploiting this and so that sort of opened the floodgates to all of this yeah i think that was that was right on their part obviously yeah you know no one should be punished for using in-game exploits i agree i think i would have this is gonna this is gonna be a a a hot take i kind of wish they didn't say anything and were purposely vague so that people were kind of scared to do it the whole weekend (laughs) so it wouldn't be so rampant so wouldn't be so rampant and so like I feel like only a portion of the community would actually be worried not to, though. I yeah, think, like, yeah. I, I when I when it first people were making videos, I was like, oh, they'll probably disable the guns. Like I didn't really think much of it, I, and I wasn't able right. to get on anyway. And then they put out a thing going, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, people won't get punished because it's an exploit, and it's but it's not our fault. You know, it's not on the you know. Um, and so then I went on and did it, not because I thought, oh, I'll get banned, because that's how they've always been with exploits, it's like even with the, right. the casino trials stuff, you know? Oh, they didn't yeah. ban anyone for doing that, and that's always been their policy, which I've liked, unlike other games. Um, I don't know if you remember Anthem. There was right. a thing where you could farm the lower, like the one under the highest level thing for rewards and people were farming right. that and they banned people right which is yeah mental. Didn't, didn't didn't glad yes get banned? yeah yeah so it's like grinding master nightfalls instead of gm because right. it dropped better stuff for a period of time right it's like why would you ban someone for that but right. um that's always been their policy so i i never thought that but i didn't come on for it just because i was like oh they'll they'll probably disable them but then they said oh you know i mean it's the weekend um, right. you know, it's the weekend for them as well. So people are at home right. and they probably had poor sods coming in and trying to do stuff over the weekend to, to do a yeah. patch. But yeah, I came on on the Saturday and made an Amit um, with the aggressive frame. And then I also made um, a Regnant with an aggressive frame as well. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Um, so we were just doing the GM, which was the battlegrounds on Europa, the one with the shrieker at the end. Oh, and yeah, that, yeah. And that was very funny going through that. And then we did a Ghost of the Deep run just because right. I needed to 
another chance of the exotic, and I still haven't got the helmet. Um, ah, okay. And just wanted to kill the boss instantly because it was really late. But no, I, I I enjoyed it. It was funny. But yeah, I imagine there were, and I did see people complaining about, oh, there'll be people getting achievements that they shouldn't. And I agree to an extent, but it's a game. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's, that's where I've got it. in my life. I think maybe when I was like 15 or 16, I would have been like, oh, but um, like years ago. But yeah, I, it's a game. Grow up. I mean, yeah. like, I think you don't you don't get as much for doing solo clears anymore anyway, like flawless solo clears, you know. Right. For, I feel like the last dungeon where they properly pushed that was Prophecy, where you get the ghost, the sparrow, and the emblem. Now right. you just get an emblem and that's it. You don't really get right. any extra, and it's an emblem. So, yeah. Um, you know, let people have their fun. I didn't touch PvP. Because I knew it'd just be a coin flip on who had, oh, yeah. who had better crafted randomness or which team had or hadn't got them. So I just didn't touch right. trials. Um, yeah, I, I. So one of the things that I kind of wanted to point out is it was a lot easier to pull this off, and I'm not saying it was impossible, but it was a hell of a lot easier to accomplish this on PC. Yes. Um, because it sort of required your your system to kind of, like, chug. Uh, and so the more that you could, like, gank your system and, like, people were like, I'm, I'm streaming five 4K videos and downloading three games while I'm doing this and I'm dropping my frames and purposely, like, mm. maxing out my, my video cards so that I'm struggling just to, like, even you know and that and that would made it a lot easier to actually induce the glitch on on weapons and so doing that on console was a lot harder now people could do it i saw videos of people doing it on like yeah that's PS5. I, I mean i did it on console um right it was a lot easier to do that the shotgun with and right with something because you could because of where they were located but anything right. other than that it was a lot exactly difficult to do because of you know like you have the keypads for it Whereas on right. console you've got the like the D pad of of you know pressing things exactly, um, but with a you know mouse keyboard you can flick through the menus a lot quicker. Exactly, yeah. Um, so it's a lot easier to to accomplish on on PC than console. Not mm. impossible, but a lot easier. And uh, I think that was unfortunate because uh, I did jump into a few console matches, and I was like, because I I have a PC. I actually have a crappy laptop that I was able to do it on because like I, that <laughs> game barely runs on there and I didn't really have to do much in order like to, to mess it up. Um, but I was able to, to get it on there and then I then I loaded it up on PC or on, on console and there was definitely a lot less people in the console lobbies that had it because it was harder for them to pull off. And I think that's the one complaint I'd have about it is if, this is going to sound silly, if the bug were easier to pull off for everyone, then I would have been much more okay with a whole weekend of shenanigans. But there were some people that I think, like there was even a guy in my clan who had it on, who on PC couldn't pull it off for some reason or another. And like it, if if the if everyone could do it and everyone had an amit that shot shotgun shots, then I think it was it would be okay because it'd be a little more like homogenized. But I think there were some people that just I completely think- struggled, and I feel bad. 
doing the Amit thing was was easy on console. It, it wasn't hard, and I, I sure I know obviously on PC it was better if your system was bottlenecked and you had low frames and that sort of thing. Right, um, but. I don't think that has as much to do with it as people realise because, all right, it's sixty frames, uh, PVE is sixty frames in on like PS Five and the latest Xbox I've on the name, um, but and then one one twenty in Crucible. But I did the Amit after like three tries and the Regnum was like first try. I just flicked through my menus and um, right, and it was just pressing the right buttons rather than I think. And I think that was the problem with it. You had to sort of press them all at once rather than in a, like an order. Um, right. But yeah, it was like a coin flip. Like my friend, he sat there for about 10 minutes trying to get a regnant and to work and it didn't. Right. For like yeah, 10, 15 minutes. But yeah, you could do it. I think people were just not trying enough or didn't know or didn't care. Like you got to think there's a lot more people on console playing destiny than there are on right. PC, like way more. And that's where most of exactly. the casuals are probably going to be. Right. So yeah, just like, you know, if, if every, I would say it was like, if everyone could do it yeah. and it was a little bit, then it's like, okay, let the chaos ensue. But it definitely was going to sound silly. It was sort of like a have and have not kind of situation where some people just either didn't want to engage with it. And then their entire weekend of like, well, I want to play trials normally, but I can't because yeah, I this mean, is I, going I just on. didn't touch because I, I I wouldn't have liked using it in PvP because it just would have felt weird. Not, right. Not because it's like an advantage. I mean, there is that, but I I don't like playing PvP with guns I don't normally use and I don't right. use an Amit. So, um, and I, I knew that I'd be playing against or with people who would have them or not and that would be more frustrating than you know, being killed by them is people on my team dying or, the, you know, a coin flip of who has them, who hasn't. But, exactly. But, yeah, with the Prometheus Lens Weekend, Zer sold it. So, basically, right. if you, for some reason, didn't have the legendary shards for it, it was the only reason you couldn't right. get it. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of the difference between these two events is, yeah, they... They made it so that everyone could could do it on with with Zer and, and get Prometheus lens, and so it sort of homogenized everything. But on this, yeah. it was still kind of like you know. And I, I I get that. Like I said, I did maybe six or seven matches the entire weekend in PvP, and I was like, okay, I got my fill. I got the 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 chuckles out of it, but it was also like not that interesting to me overall, and so I just kind of mm. stopped after that. And so yeah, it. it it was interesting. I. It still sounds like there's people that can find weird bugs with like swapping illegal perks around, and there's still some stuff going on. And like, as a result, like adept weapons are not currently recraftable, and there's they, there's still kind of residual bugs, and and they 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 kind of mainly fixed it, but it still sounds like there's some work to be done. And mm-hmm. I think you brought up Mapador too. Like, and I, I, this is something that I want to acknowledge and don't want to shy away from is like, there were people working on it over the weekend and that, um, like shout outs to those guys. Cause they, <laughs> someone <weekend> was ruined. <laughs> yeah. Someone like, and that I could see that happening. Cause I've had this happen before where you're getting ready to leave on Friday afternoon and then something hits the fan and you're just like, well, there's my weekend now. Uh, I'm going to be yeah. at work and and dealing with this the whole weekend. And before you realize that you've been at, it's 13 hours in on Saturday and you just want to go home and cry. 
but you can't because you're trying to get this resolved and everyone's trying to get it resolved. And like, so I, I shout outs to those guys and, and gals working on this. And I really do appreciate that they made every attempt to get it resolved over the weekend. And, and they didn't have to resort to just like flat out banning all crafted weapons, which could have been like, I don't know how easy it would have been to turn that off. I mean, we've seen them turn off individual weapons and, and exotics before, but I don't know if, you know, I don't, I can't imagine there's a checkbox that exists in the game where it's like, turn off all crafted weapons for, for the weekend, you know, but like, I think that's what everyone kind of expected them to do as like, yeah, so I the, thought they the, were going to do. The stopgap, and they, they didn't do that. So they didn't completely ruin the experience. Like, if you had, if you had a normal group of guys that wanted to just run a raid and didn't want to have to resort to cheesing everything, like, you could still do that with the weapons that you had. Um, or if you wanted to be a, a crazy psychopath with an amet that that shouldn't have been firing shotgun pellets, you could also do that. Like they left it open. So ultimately, I would say the game wasn't impacted functionally um, too much. And that was something a couple of the clan mates pointed out is like these weapons are surprisingly stable. Like they're not just crashing the game when you use an amet that's firing yeah. shotgun pellets. So that's like kind of a testament to the, the, the quality of where the game is mean- at now in terms of functionality i mean i guess we could have seen that already with like cheaters where they just spam heavy everywhere and like, that's infinitely. true that's true um but yeah having loads and loads and loads of people do it in one instance obviously right is right quite different so yeah, you could potentially out, have 12 the... in one lobby yeah exactly um so speaking of functionality <laughs> um Ooh. great segue <laughs> yeah i saw my opportunity and i took it um Destiny's been the victim of some DDoS attacks lately, which has been impacting the servers pretty heavily. Yes. Uh, they don't know from who yet, um, but it is it is affecting the functionality of the game. It's not uh, Bungie's fault, but they are um, a victim of this particular situation. I just saw a video of this poor guy um, playing King's Fall, and they got booted out. It's like, Oof. seconds before they killed Oryx. It was quite sad. But yep. um, yeah, stuff is going on and it's kind of, uh, it, it's interesting. And I want to say this isn't the first time this has happened, right? Something like this has um, happened. I don't, I can't remember off I, the top of my head if it's been Destiny specific, but obviously like, uh, I don't even remember, was it 2012? Um Sony and briefly Microsoft oh, were, yeah. were the victim of mass DDoSing around Christmas. Um, yeah. Oh, well, that was yeah, that was uh, no, that was like 2014. Oh, 2014, all right. Yeah. Because Sony, yeah, because oh, yeah, I, PS4, I remember that was yeah, PS4. Yeah, and that then. was because Sony was going to release that the interview movie or something. Supposedly, that was like the catalyst. And I thought it was people that were DDoSing because they were angry that people were playing games instead of spending time with their family at Christmas. Is that what it was? It, it was because of that, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I believe uh, wow. so. Correct. Like, people can... Well, there aren't comments on Spotify, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> feel free to, I don't know, fax me if I'm wrong, but... Um, fax me. Actually, but yeah. uh, no. Uh, yeah, no, it... it it's yes, I think, but I yeah, I think you brought up like that was entire like the entire PlayStation Network and not just Destiny. I mean, we've had we've had weird server instabilities kind of like this in the past where people just get 
kicked constantly. Uh, I don't know if it's ever been this egregious and this consistent, and I don't think they've ever just flat out like confirmed that it's a DDoS attack. I think this is oh, okay. This yeah. is a new one. I think. I mean, for one, you can't announce it like that because then it shows. Oh, we've got a hole in our system, you know. Right. And yeah. you, you kind of don't want to do that. But I feel like they're doing it now because people would just complain about, oh, your servers are rubbish. That's- yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> and I think, but then I think it also means that you get people who are angry with that person. So I'm guessing the person or people doing it are either fan like they have to be fans of Destiny. Like, there's no way some random person totally. goes, right. We're gonna DDoS Bungie for no reason. Like, well, we don't even play Destiny. Like, why would you bother? You know, people aren't like that. They're gonna have a reason, and it's gonna be. Do we think that it's because of the crafted weapons, or do we think it just happened to line up perfectly with, with it? Well, in their in their I, Twitter, they said it's not related. Well, it's it wasn't happening because of their fixes to. No, but I, I mean, the person ddosing them is oh, like this is, is like the last straw for them. And this n- is why n- they were like, them. "Oh, you fixed it too quick." I don't know what their reasoning would have been, but it. Um, but yeah, and yeah, they, I. I don't think it has anything to do with craft. I think, I don't know, knowing like this community and like people giving death threats to developers, it, I I don't even know if it has to have any specific reason besides the fact that it's destiny. Yeah. It could have just been someone watch, who's watch recently. Him. Oh, sorry. What, I was going to say it could just be someone who recently was banned silently and then they're super butthurt about it. Like, I, I don't know. I like... Yeah, or they got angry with the pronouns in the in the uh, uh, final shape reveal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, that's like something that would actually happen. Is yeah, I, I, I believe that. I, well, I, there, I, I can't wait till people realize that that isn't a Bungie specific thing, and that most companies <laughs> have to do that now. Like, What's just, the, what was even the pronoun thing in the final shape? They when people's names popped up of the developers, they had their pronouns underneath. Yeah, but they they did that during Lightfall too. Yeah, and they like, did, and like people got said, annoyed. That, then that's been that's been it's, such it's a, just it's that's... just like a policy in most companies now. Yeah, I I thought you were referring to like something in the game had pronouns. No, no, like, no, because no, no. like because what is it? There's some people that got really upset Starfield, in Starfield you pick where your you can pronouns. Which is like, right, because it's like, it's a drop-down menu, like, who cares? Like, that's great, <laughs> Wait, now, now, on, you, now you can, and it's a it's a role-playing game, so shouldn't part of the role <laughs> that you play allow you to be, like, what person you want to play as in the universe? Like, it, yeah. shouldn't be, people more be happy about that? Because it's like, it's another variable to your, like, experience? Like, I don't know, people, people need to pick pick their battles more accordingly like that is we need to get so... angry at things that they should actually be angry about <laughs> right something that you don't even have to engage with like you can just use the default <laughs> and move on like get over yourself rob you and the guys were playing crota master yeah Did that so affect we, your no, yes situation? no so we managed to get one run in for the first for the challenge uh, and we we're going for a second because it's on it's the the weapons are on a knockout system, which is awesome. Um, so we were like, well, let's just run it with a second character so we can get a second adept weapon. Uh, and we got we after like the second attempt, the it started like bugging out and then it eventually just kicked us all. And we're like, yeah, let's just do it another night because it was like when we 
for like 20 or 30 minutes before we started playing, we were having issues as well. And so it was like, we, we took that as a sign that the, the, the destiny gods are like, you get one weapon tonight, move on. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so we did that and, and, and then, and then a couple of us were like, let's do a, a GM. And then we like loaded into it and got booted. We're like, okay, that's it for the night. Yeah, um, all right. Well, it's, you cut your losses. Yeah, exactly. Like we got, we did get one challenge in like, I, I'm ecstatic to no end. Cause I, the one adept weapon that I wanted, I got, I managed to get uh, the Fang of your adept. So like, I'm super nice. content. If I don't get any of the other adept ones, like I'm totally okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, it just on kind of like the level of the game functioning or not functioning. It's, it's really bad. Like, I don't think I've gone more than like 20 or 30 minutes without getting booted. Um, I've only been able to successfully finish a handful of matches, like consistently where it, it seems like, or maybe I'll get through the match, but like half the team gets kicked. Um, and it's, it's, it's rough. Um, (laughs) The, the game is virtually unplayable. Like, I don't feel like trying to do dungeons. No one in my clan wants to do raids because it's like, it's not a question of if, it's like, when are we going to get booted? Yikes. That's, yeah. And this has been going on since, when did this start? Seemingly like the weekend. Like, it seemed like it's Sunday evening is when I interpreted that it started occurring, but it could have been sooner or later or like it could just be anecdotal like maybe i happen to get disconnected and i'm like oh it's a sign like after they came out like oh like no maybe i just got disconnected but shoot map did you have any experiences um i did not but it stopped me from coming on on this week oh yeah because i because i saw people talking about it and i've only got so much time like in the evening and i just think well i don't want to fight the servers yeah I, i don't want to sit there get halfway through something, get kicked or try and play the new PVP game mode, get kicked and just get annoyed about it. I just thought, well, you know, I'm not angry at, you know, Bungie, you know, it's not like it's out of their hands, yeah. really. Um, it's pointless getting angry in that. Get angry towards people doing it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just, but yeah, that's what I mean. It still affects everyone and it made me not to come on. But yeah, it's not it's not good, and no, it's, it's, I, I don't know why we, we're at this point again with people in the community doing shit like that. I know it's really sad. I hope this doesn't like start a ongoing trend of this happening more often. Yeah, I just I just want to play the game. That's all. I don't I don't I don't want to play with broken guns if it's going to cost the game to not. <laughs> I know they're not exactly. related, but it just it just feels like it's a yeah. perfect storm no, of shenanigans. All right, you guys want to talk about Crota's End in good news? Yeah. All yeah. right. So Crota's End came out uh, a couple weeks ago, but Master Mode came out this week. Right. Um, but Crota's End is back in Destiny Two, and so it's got it's uh, remastered, right? So like visually, right. the graphics are different. Yep. Um, there's a new quote-unquote new mechanic um, that goes throughout the entire raid with the idea of the chalice. Uh, obviously, spoilers for the raid if you care about that sort of thing and haven't done it for whatever reason. It's been out for um, a month. It, there's no spoilers. That's, I, you know, that's what I figured. But yeah. <laughs> um, the chalice, uh, you play hot potato with it and you like get enlightened so you can do certain things. And that like permeates throughout 
every encounter, and that's kind of like the main core mechanic of the whole thing. Right. But that's like, I think that's, uh, I mean, I didn't do Curtis in D1, but correct me if I'm wrong, that is the main difference, right? Yeah, so in, in D1, in Crota's End, only on normal, during the Crota encounter, your health would not come back. You had a debuff called Presence of Crota, yeah. um, which is still here. It just does a completely different thing in this game. Um, but you could pick up a chalice in the middle, and that would allow you to heal your health. And you would pass it around to each other. So, like, the the way the, the original encounter would start is you'd stand on the, the middle stone thing and it would cause the the oversoul to or the like the throne behind him to rebuild and then he would spawn but at the time there would be like dozens of acolytes and knights that would sort of swarm where you started and so there's a pretty good chance that you were taking a bunch of damage at the beginning um and so what you would do is then someone would go grab the chalice and you'd all heal and then that that chalice was there i don't think that it existed in hard mode so it only existed on normal yeah. in the center and so it was like that was kind of an attempt to make the 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 raid a little bit harder as you couldn't heal and so everyone and there there were only a handful of helmets that would allow you to heal your health this is like this is during the dark below of d1 so there was like think about we only had like six exotics per character and there was like light beyond nemesis was like the helmet that you needed uh, because picking up an orb would regenerate your health. And so the idea is like someone would use their super, generate a bunch of orbs, and then everyone would grab one of those orbs because you had one of the exotic helmets that would would heal you back. Like that's kind of the level of like what we had to do back then. Or if you had red death, um, you would you, you would have that equipped, but ultimately most Crota's and LFGs required that you had uh, Yallerhorn um, because you needed to use G-Horn to take a shield down. Although I didn't have one, but I had Truth, <laughs> which worked just as well because it had three in the Truth chamber. Truth was good. Uh, or oh, the and rocket that was, launcher. Yeah, it was, uh, it was my first exotic, by the way. Uh, way, way, way back when. It was my first exotic uh, in the game. But So so these these were dark times. This was like very, very early on in D1's life where we were like cobbling anything you could uh, to have a quote-unquote build just to stay alive to be able to, to complete the encounter. So... Um, yeah, so 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 the the chalice was there just to give you health back, but now it's actually the primary mechanic of the game or of the raid, uh, and it exists in every encounter where yeah, like like you said, Scotty, you get enlightened, and that allows you to engage and interact with certain things. Like in the the first encounter, you turn the lamps on with it, um, and then in the second encounter, it allows you to pick up the sword, and then in the third encounter, it allows you to go through barriered walls that you need to in order to kill the wizard, and so. Um, and then in the fourth encounter, you have to use it to kill the Oversoul, right? So, like, it's it's constantly iterating, which yeah. I appreciate, like, in terms of kind of, like, learning the the raid for the first time, it, it at least, like, forces you to do something different with the Enlightened buff each time. Uh, and then ultimately, you can pass it back and forth, um, which ends up becoming handy for certain parts of the encounters as well, where you don't necessarily want to be Enlightened, but you also want to keep moving the chalice around to make sure that it stays with your team. So mm. um, it's not just like one basic thing where everyone gets enlightened and then like you don't have to do the encounter, like use the chalice anymore. Like you still need to do something with it most of the time. Yeah. So while we're talking about the chalice, I'm just going to address the elephant in the room again as far as the chalice goes. I think the biggest problem with the chalice 
um, is the stupid elemental balls and the yes. strand balls. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. I, d- I don't really understand the logic of let's map the yep. chalice transfer button to the same button that is pick up balls, revive, and reload. I think yes. it just, then, I think it just uh, falls at an unfortunate time of the seasonal mods. Yes. I mean, all the transfer things in all the raids are the same input. Right. Um, it's, it's always the interact button. Yeah, and, I, and yeah. I think... I mean, I've had this in PvP where I've reloaded, like, slid around the corner and reloaded, you know, behind cover and picked one up. Not right. Like, not just... Which is very fucking annoying. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think it's just an unfortunate timing in the season where everyone's going to have those mods. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, I agree with that totally. But at the same time, also, I mean, it's also frustrating when someone dies with a chalice and then you have to, like, stand in the exact right spot right. to, like, do the thing that you want to do because yeah. they're both right on top of each other. And yes. They're both the same button. And that's that's kind of annoying. Yeah, and the, the priority of, I think it always prioritizes revive over picking up the chalice, which is... Which is unfortunate because you have less time to pick up the chalice than Correct. you do to revive generally. Correct. Yeah. I, and so you're absolutely right. And we, because you, Scotty, you ran it with us on day one or technically yeah. day two. And that was something that we, after attempting the first encounter a bunch of times, we all just turned the ball generation mods off. And I have left them off because I don't really like them in general. Like it's a neat idea. I kind of wish that they, we could just shoot them and have them like almost like war mine cells where they would just like in an in an area of effect around them effect but i wish that we didn't have to interact with them and pick them up and throw them because yeah. of exactly what you're saying and like i find myself not using and engaging with that mod mechanic at all this season because i would much rather not be frustrated in the raid than oh be able to throw a ball that causes scorch on a bunch of ads when I'm running strikes. Like one of those things is way more important to me than the other. Um, but the other one could be interesting. I just find it so frustrating that I'm not using it. And this this ultimately leads me to believe that I think this is an epitomizes what I understand to be probably one of the problems with the the game cycle and this is not necessarily like a bungee specific thing i think this exists in all like design spaces even in engineering of all facets where you obviously have one team that's doing the artifact and mods and then you have another mm. team that's doing the designing the raid and the mechanics and i get the feeling that those groups don't talk as much as they should because yeah like you said well, you i have imagine a, the raid was made way before the mods were made right Exactly. And and the, the the mod people probably should have spent some time in the raid and been like, oh, this is going to be problematic because there's this weird prioritization of like there there needs to be like a weird redistribution of like hierarchy of what we prioritize or we should be able to like change it in menu. And I know that's probably way easier said than done, but it's something that we should have agency over where I always want to be able to interact with the mechanic before I want to res you. Um, mm. 
or pick up the ball. Like, I want to pick up the ball last. I, I, I should be able to do all these other things before the ball because the ball is not what's going to keep the raid going or keep me alive. It's just a stupid thing that I can pick up and interact with and play with. <laughs> and, like, it's a... It was it was an oversight that obviously did not seem like it was tested very well, and yeah, it's unfortunate because it's so. a, it's a neat idea. Because I know when in the one in the one twab where they talked about it, they were kind of super excited where they're like, "Yeah, it's basically tangles, but for every element." And we're really excited. and We spent a lot of time developing it, and I I do believe that, and it's a neat idea. But it's just really unfortunate that it happened at the same time as this really important chalice mechanic that like dictates the entire raid yeah it is it is very frustrating because like you said it is in every encounter it's not like kind of like a one and done sort of situation it's like okay i can excuse that if this is like you know one fourth of the raid but it is every encounter right it's always kind of something you're thinking about and it does i mean it doesn't like ruin the whole experience or anything but it is an oversight for sure and it does kind of affect the experience every now and then right um but other than that um as a as someone who did crotus and in d1 what do you think of the the revamp um, um oh, you can go for it you can go first map if you want uh, so i've always had the opinion that though it was a short raid and there were a lot of problems with it crotus end was more fun than vog Ooh. Okay, that's and, a hard. And tip. I've always thought Vogue was really boring, and the concept is really cool, but the raid itself, part of the areas of it, are really bland. Yeah. And I'm glad they changed up some of the Vex aesthetic for Destiny Two. Some of it was nice, um, but some like you look at, um, you know, Atheon's, you know, say throne room. He's got mm-hmm. the big glass thing at the back. Other than that, it's just another cave. Um, and I've I've always felt it was quite bland in some areas, and I think Crota was more fun. Um, I know it was broken as mess. I've soloed it before. Like, it is complete mess. <laughs> you know, you could just skip the second encounter. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always thought it was quite fun and just interesting. But... And I think this cements it for me that it's a better raid than Vog. <laughs> it's and just like in in terms of like aesthetic. I I just think in all of it, I think how it's present, you know, how it presents the Crota. Um, yeah, the aesthetic is nice. It's quite unique, and it was unique at the time as well. Um. And I think the mechanics are far more interesting. And I like the first encounter now that they've added the Shadow Keep BDSM stuff to it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard the swinging like um, pendulums <laughs> referred to as BDSM related, but um, yeah, it's like high that's, BDSM that's stuff. <laughs> that's what Eris and Drifter are doing when we when we're not doing. Hive, oh, hive that's stuff. so true. They yeah. had that little conversation in the season where Drifter yeah. was talking to him. And you know Drifter's into that. you got, got the rolling pin, the deaf rolling pins out. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think they've... Oh, Alright, Vogue was the first raid that they made, or supposedly, um, because of that other King's Fall rumour stuff theory. But... Um, and then Crozen came after. 
and then now they've you know vogue got remade first and then they've had hindsight of right this probably needs to be changed differently you know things like that they've had hindsight and the game's in a different spot but i think it was a better sort of remaster okay fair fair yeah and rap response oh, sorry oh no no, no go ahead finish, finish um, that. the music's always better the vogue you know the atheon fight's kind of boring it's like the one bit of destiny boss music that i think is not that good um Interesting. It's quite ambient and not think intense as it should be. And yeah. then the only thing I'll give Vogue that has come out of Vogue, other than the weapons and things like that, is the sound that the oracles make. That's very that is <laughs> good sound design. I don't completely agree with you, and that's totally fine, because at the end of the day, all of this is super subjective. Yeah. I I do think that I I will always probably have a soft spot for vault and it's not because it was the first raid i completed i actually think the first raid i completed was crota's end and then i went back and did um vault um right because the first time i did vault i actually had a really really bad experience that i don't want to get into but um but uh i i do like that like thematically the raid has always to me felt like it was supposed to be this very like hectic just in your face like almost for lack of a better term, like obnoxious fights where you're just like, I absolutely love uh, in the the bridge encounter when you have the thrall crawling up the side of the wall and like just constantly cool. swarming you when you're you're covering the the plates. Like I love that idea and I love this sort of like just chaoticness of the fight and that it's like a little bit lighter on mechanics because it's meant to be more of like you really do feel kind of like, you know, the 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 six that originally went down there, part of Eris's fire team, like they 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 failed because they were overwhelmed by the thrall. And you kind of get that sense. Like I would say it sort of accomplishes it from that thematic standpoint very, very well. Like, okay, you can see why they failed because they were just swarmed and they yeah. they they couldn't handle it, you know. And and uh I I love that and I, I think Crota's End has always done that really well. I've been one of those that I've I've kind of always liked Crota's End. I I don't think it's a, a perfect raid, but I I after now playing it in D two, I think it it is perfected in in what it was, and I think it's it's every encounter it it's better than its D one counterpart. Like the the mechanics are more engaging. There's more things to do. Everyone has to kind of participate for the most part. Like Ear Ute, I think is probably the most changed and most interesting um people love the fact that now swords are like a relevant dps choice in crota's fight itself like that's that's exciting like all the changes that they've done are good um i think the spirit of the raid has still been mostly preserved in terms of like the hectic chaos um and i like that the chalice is more than just a thing that's in normal crota that you actually have to like engage with and do something with and and it me it means something um so i i would say for the most part it's like improved in any way every way going back to the the vault of glass thing i i like the kind of weird cave aesthetic and i i like kind of the time travel stuff and 
Uh, I agree the the music is definitely a little more muted. I do like the the Vex music that's in there, um, but yeah. I do agree that it's a little more ambient. And when you compare it to the almost like dubstep techno that you get in in Crota's End, uh, especially when you're building the the bridge in the kind of the first encounter, like with the lanterns. And it's that really like heavy bass like drum where it's just like it's building up and then now you're just like there's just nonstop thrall running at you from left, right, and front. And it's like it's like perfect. The the way the music yeah. sort of like balances out like the tone. And I think that's something we've talked about this in the past and I've gushed about it, but like especially in in vanilla D1, the the music that was sort of adapted with some of the levels was so good and yes. captured perfectly like what was going on in that encounter. Um, and I'm so glad that they kind of preserved it and kept it in, in D2 because I think it it did it so well uh, and it's oh. something that should not have been changed. I know that they kind of changed the music in like the second and fourth encounters a little bit, but the, that main Crotus theme when you finally pick up the sword and start damaging them, that plays, like mm. that's still in there, but it just plays now when you start actually damaging them as a group. Like that's like one of my favorite tracks that like you can't, it's not like in anything people have like been able to isolate the track and you can find it on YouTube and stuff. Um, kind of like the donning stuff that we were talking about a couple weeks ago. Um, but ultimately I think I think it kind of successfully nailed it in every sense. And it's funny because we have our our clan has gotten it down pretty well, and Scotty, you've participated in a handful of these raids too. But like, we're able to get through Crota's End now in like forty five minutes, which is faster than we can get through Ghost of the Deep, um, which is kind <laughs> yeah. of interesting. No, That's but it's just that dungeon, though, right? Exactly, because you know, Ghost of the Deep. I don't want to devalue because I think aesthetically, it's one of the coolest dungeons we've ever gotten, and like from like a narrative standpoint, like they're trying to resurrect Crota, which is or not Crota Oryx which is awesome from a story standpoint, but no one wants to do that dungeon anymore because that no. whole middle section is so long and so boring and there's no yep. way to bypass any I, of it. Oh, it's and, so, and then she has too much health. Right. And then, and even Root of Nightmares, that whole middle section where you have to constantly get the light and dark thing and it's like yeah. cool because Nezarak's like taunting you the whole time. But after you do it once or twice... You do not want to have to do it every time you do that raid. Whereas this, like, as silly as it sounds, it kind of cuts all the bullshit out of there. And it's just one encounter after the other. And it's just, like, in terms of, like, action pack, it's, like, isn't perfect. Isn't as offensive in that as Ghost of the Deep. But I agree. Sure. It's like, it, yeah, Ghost of the Deep is just too long. Right. And again, the first time you do it or the second time you do it, it's awesome, right? It's yeah. so... It's so cool that you're like navigating this underwater thing to this crashed ship, and then the punchline is you find Oryx's corpse. They're like, and then, such the, a then cool... the motif, the King's right. Fall motif plays. As right, well, which is nice. it's so cool. But then it's like after you do it the third or fourth time, you're like, I do not want to do this anymore. Yeah. That's fair. So, I, all right, I'm gonna play devil's advocate really quick to make this interesting because that's what I do. Sure, I. I actually really like the transitional encounters. And I will say I have not played Ghost of the Deep, so I don't know how Ooh. egregious this is. <laughs> but Yeah, then I, um, I I don't think you should weigh in on it. I'm just kidding. Oh, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I like the Root of Nightmares one, for example. I, I think it, it adds to, like, the spectacle of the whole raid. It makes it I agree. feel like a raid, if that I makes agree. sense. Sure. No, I, you I know, agree with you. 
if if it's like one encounter after another, it's good for like if you're running it like multiple times over and over again. I totally know what you mean, but it almost doesn't feel like a raid anymore without some of that like spectacle inducing stuff like that where you're running sure. around this massive space and Nezarek's taunting you. I think that's really cool. Um, and I think that's one of the things I would have liked to have seen in Crota's End is something like I would have liked to have seen some some more of the catacombs or something like that and I would have wanted to hear some like, I don't know, like Crota dialogue or something. I don't even, even know if there is any Crota dialogue. And um, But yeah, that's, I mean that's just me. Yeah, no, and I, I, I get it. I think Yeah. I think there's a there's certainly a middle ground and I think it was like Luke Smith talked about he did like a QA talking about Vault of Glass and he he talked about the the sort of like interim, you know, transitions to each of the encounters and he sort of wanted them to have these moments where like, okay, you're moving to the next thing and like I, the best example is when you complete um the Templar and transition and you have to go through like the, the little area and then the Gorgon's maze. And then you finally get to like the vault itself. And that's kind of a, a long jumping puzzle section in the mm. maze itself. And like, and the idea was he wanted to have, and I'm, I'm super Omega paraphrasing. Cause I don't remember how even long ago this interview was. It might've been during D one, but basically he wanted to have those little like cool down spots in the the raids you can like talk about the loot that you got and talk about how awesome like oh when i did this cool clutch thing with the rocket i was able to kill that and then i was able to res you and then we finished the 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 encounter like he wanted those to have kind of a a transitional moment where you can just decompress as a team before you get to the next like hectic thing um and i think there's and that's why i think vault of glass has a good number of those that aren't too egregious in terms of time and the gorgon's maze i think is a perfect example of once you have a good team and know what you're doing you can zip through that section and not have to like you know if, if you're like if you are doing like okay let's just get our three done for the evening uh or for the week i should say you can do that super efficiently and you don't have to kind of go through it kind of like a formal maybe uh, an LFG team might have to to make sure everyone gets through it but it's still there whereas like Root of Nightmares you cannot unless you're like sword skating and doing kinds of you know crazy stuff with, <laughs> Fun with gun, double eager's edge yeah doubles eager edge and all that kind of stuff like you have to do the super long transitions for, for both between the first and second and the yeah. second and third and even the, the third to fourth is a little bit long but like those don't get any shorter. You can't really bypass anything. And like I get from a raid thematic standpoint, but at a certain point, if you've gone through the raid a couple dozen times, which if you're trying to get the title, you're going to do, it gets really old really fast. And I, I, yeah, I, I, I do agree that there should be more thematic elements to a raid in order to call it a raid because Crota's End is lacks all of that completely like it is probably the most extreme example king's fall had it right where the long one is at the start right because that builds it builds and then you get to um totemed but i think if imagine if that one was where the jump between um golgroth and uh the daughters were Right. And it was even longer and it was the ship thing as well right. as the door. 
Right, but the, the, but the pistons, but the piston wall you can bypass yeah, super that's what quickly. I mean. So right? imagine if they were swapped round. Right. Um, it would feel worse. And I think that's the middle ground that they need to start doing is the the intro bit or the longest right. break is not in the middle of the raid and should right. be at the start. Right. Yeah. I think also what would help is if the transitional encounters, if they can come up with a way to make it so that if you get really good at it, it gets faster sort yes. of thing. Yeah. I th- I think that would improve. That would be a good middle ground too. Yeah. And that's why like in Ghost of the Deep, we like it would be nice if, so like there's the, the kind of the transition after what the first encounter to the second encounter is like the, the long, long section uh, where you're doing a bunch of like underwater dives and things like that. And like, First time you do it, it's super cool. Second time you do it, it's pretty cool. But then it's like, it becomes such a slog. And we, everyone always kind of agrees that like, it would be cool if after you've completed it four or five times, there's like a tunnel that opens up that allows you to just like underwater, you could just dive straight to that next encounter yeah. rather than have to like do it. Because like, again, if you and if you're trying to take someone through for the first time, you want them to see all that stuff. They want to pick up all the little lore bits where Zivu Wrath is like, talking to to oryx and all that stuff like i think that's totally fine um but there needs to be some kind of like quicker way of doing it like yeah. in, a, in, a, in a hive raid you have one of those rune doors and once you've done it three times you can input the code for that or if right. it's a fallen one it's a transporter and once you've done it three times you can right go through that and then you, maybe you can't go through it if someone in your fire team hasn't done it that many times. Right. Oh, again, then right. Yeah, you that, get like that. Get that create three... gatekeeping, but I don't know. Yeah, but I, I. That's true. You'll have LFG teams where it's like must have bypass key yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. I, but, but that's just it, though, too, right? Is if you are, if you are trying to be an elitist and you're trying to get through stuff quickly, I don't think it's unreasonable to say, okay, I just want to do three runs really quick to get my my loot and have another chance at getting the exotic at the end, right? Because at the end of the day, that's why you're going to do repeat farming is you want to get the trace rifle or you're just trying to get the helmet or something like that. And so you're just trying to find a team that knows what they're doing and you're not going to lollygag and like you just like you want to be able to. And I think that's not an unreasonable thing to say, you know, must have bypass keys so that we can get through it as quickly as possible i don't think that's an unreasonable mm. and i i would say spire the watcher is pretty egregious too it's not as bad but that whole no when you're navigating like all of these things are fun to figure out the first couple times that you do it but when you're trying to do like a solo run i don't think or- spires is as, as offensive again because it's in between the first and second part the jump between um the you know the boss the first boss and the second isn't that. It's not that Doesn't bad. F- I'm, I'm yeah. talking about from. I'm talking about from like opening yeah, to first no, that's encounter. What I, mean. I, I yeah. feel they're not as bad because it's the first encounter. Yeah, I do, you're right. I do. You're right. I do get what you mean, though. It is quite long still. Yeah. So, I, I, I don't want to like continue on the negativity train too. No, much, I, I don't. But- need- I don't think we're being negative. I think these are I all... I think it's constructive. Yeah, I think constructive. Are, yeah. Constructive. Okay. All right. So then I'll continue with my little statement here. So I don't have any connection to like Destiny 1, like nostalgia-wise as far as like Crota's End goes. 
so this is kind of a, a I have a little bit of a different perspective on this raid, I think, than you guys do. Sure. Because you guys obviously quite loved it in the first game. I think that Kuroda's End, as far as so I'll preface by saying I, I do I do really enjoy playing it, obviously, because I've played it, you know, four or five times with you guys. Yeah, you it is fun. It. Yeah. It's a good time. Um I think as far as raids go though, I think I think Destiny's come a long way in terms of raids. And I th- do think it's on kind of the weaker end as far as raids goes. Oh, definitely. Uh, like, I mean, if I if, if we're putting like Crota's end up against like Last Wish or something, I think <laughs> I think Destiny's come a long way. It's pretty mechanically light, and, and I, I'm someone who likes I, I enjoy um, a good raid with you know light mechanics. Like, I love Scourge of the Past; it's one of my favorites. But um, it's not super in depth. And I think one of my problems also is I don't really love the environment too much as far as like the environment design and stuff like that. Like one one problem I have, I don't like that Iryut and Crota take place in the exact same room. Sure. Like, yeah, I get that. It feels yeah. kind of small as far as like as far as like a raid goes. It's like I know that's kind of like a small complaint too because it's not like a mechanical thing or whatever. It's kind of a perhaps a nitpick but it is kind of a bummer to get to Iryute and then get to the final boss and then you don't even move it's literally the same arena as the first boss um but i don't know it's it is short it's it's pretty it's pretty you know it's not super in depth i don't love the aesthetic too much because i i feel like I don't I, I don't get to see enough of it. And yeah. I'm I'm so used to like Destiny 2 raids where they've just made so much more progress. I it it feels like a step back. And obviously it is a step back because it's literally a reprised one from however many years ago. But um that's kind of what I think. You're not wrong oh, yeah, no, about I, any I, of that. I, stuff. I agree. Go for it. Yeah, no, I I think it was comparing it what I mainly do is compare it to Vogue because they came out around the same time and I imagine they were made around the same time as well. Um, yeah. yeah. Unless you want to believe that other theory, but um, yeah. And, there's... and people oh, go always go, oh, Vogue, it was the first raid. It was really good. And it's like, yeah, it was the first raid. It's probably the weakest out of all of them now, yeah. especially that Crow has been remade. Yeah. It's, it's been, it, there's been a lot of progress made. Definitely. And, even comparing it to Vogue, though, I feel like Crota's and some of the encounters don't have the same, like, I don't know if this sounds stupid, but, like, the same kind of cool factor that some of the other mm. raid encounters do. Like, I think, for example, like, the boss fight with Atheon, I think is awesome. Like, you have, like, the, whatchamacallit, the, the Aegis, and you're, like, playing hot potato with that, jumping through time and stuff, and you have to, like, you're on, like, Mars in, like, a different time, and you're, like, you have to, like hold off a whole wave of Vex until someone comes and saves you. I think that whole like concept is very cool. And I don't think any of the encounters in Crota really have that same like epic feeling. Mm. Yeah. I, so there's a lot to unpack with everything that you're saying. And I, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't fundamentally disagree with anything that you're saying either. I think in terms of raid mechanics, it's pretty light. Uh, if you look at it's if you look at how it was in the original 
D1, it's so much of an improvement that it's it's not even funny. Um, and I think <laughs> I think with what they changed, they did the least amount to fundament like uh, I'll say kind of like and I mentioned this earlier, sort of like the spirit of the raid, like what what they were trying to go for from like a thematic standpoint of it being this like hectic, you're just getting swarmed constantly. Like I don't think you could you could you could make more advanced mechanics certainly, but then at a certain point are you compromising what the intention of the raid was supposed to be? Yeah. Now then it's no longer Crota's end at that right. point. And I I might also sound like I'm being because like it's also it's important to also look at kind of the the contextual standpoint of like the timeline because um, because then you can it's also easy to compare it to King's Fall because that was the next raid that we got in D one and it was much more mechanic heavy. But I would say a little bit lighter on the the swarming aspect, if you will, kind of maybe call it that. Um, but I, I think that's a stark contrast. I will say King's Fall also has the same problem where the sister or the daughters and Oryx occur in the same arena. Um, yeah, that's true. And, and same with King's Fall. But it feels bigger for some reason. I and it, it does. It, but... You know, that's like a weird... I mean, they sim- are bigger rooms as well. They are, yeah. <laughs> um, but I will say... Comparing it to to Vault of Glass as like the first two raids that we got, and they were released three months apart from each other. I think that's an important yeah. thing to remember. Again, this well, is all kind of like contextual timeline of the rules weren't set in place of what a raid needed to be. The community had not done a good job of understanding what we wanted from raids either, right? No. Here we have Vault of Glass, which like you said, Scotty, was meant to be more methodical and and had sort of these like narrative pieces of yeah you're you're fighting through time so that the guardians don't get lost in time and you're pulling the ages out of different timelines so you can use it to like make your own fate right it's really really cool and there's very like iconic things that like resonate forever with destiny because it's like that was the first raid that we got and then it's like it seems like they were trying something different and they probably were made at the same time and obviously there's also all of the stories that we hear about what the development cycle was like, all the changes that they did make to the game at the last minute, supposedly. Like, I, I don't want to get into that. Like, we've, I think we've kind of talked about it in the past and what is rumor and what isn't and why people left the company and all the things that changed in the vanilla D1 story and all the problems that people have with it. And mm-hmm. we don't need to, we don't need to reinvent the wheel on that. But I, I kind of get the feeling that like they, they needed to get something out. They, they may have had intentions of there being longer transition points, but ultimately they just had to kind of condense it down and get something out because, like, I don't quite know when they were working on Dark Below. Obviously, it was before Vanilla D1 released, but there wasn't much time to take feedback from Vault of Glass and, like, mm. iterate on, on Crota's well, End. Like they just the theory to- is that Crota's End and King's Fall were made as one raid. And, oh yeah, I've I've heard that. And I, that because King's Fall was delayed, like uh, uh, you know, the whole of the Taken King was moved as a DLC. Right. They made Vogue to replace it as the raid. Right. Yeah, and I, I I know there's well, like the original story was like the the vanilla D one story had us finding Rasputin on the 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 um what's Crotus works the Dreadnought. And and you can and you can see in the original one of the original vanilla D one trailers you can see the dreadnought. Um, so there's obviously there was probably at some point some intention to have the dreadnought. 
I don't know if I agree or completely believe that it was meant to be one huge raid that they had to There's, split up. There was evidence of it being left in like out of bounds stuff, but I mean that's like, eh, you know. Yeah, no, like, and and it, it and it may be I like yeah, and it I could be convinced if I saw some of those things and and there, but it's just. Ultimately, it's all it's all speculation, and it, it yeah, kind of does yeah. feel that way when you when you see and and maybe maybe part of the mechanic was meant to be, but then they they didn't really feel that it felt that it fit with the rest, so they just kind of pulled it out and they kind of took what they had together. Because if you ask me, like if you want to talk about more egregious, I think Root of Nightmares feels more like the first, second, and fourth encounter feel like a dungeon, and then. They added the third encounter, which has nothing to do with the other three encounters, and then that's your raid. And I feel like that's even more bizarre in terms of like design. I have a question for you guys: Was Crota always as much of a threat as he is in this? In the original, um, no. Yeah, uh, I, I'd say yes and no, depending on what you were doing. That's fair. Yeah. Because okay. so in the so where you where you all stand on the crystal to form like the throne behind him, mm-hmm. that used to have a solid wall. And so you would just kind of the, the general pattern is he would kind of revolve around that platform, that stage. But everyone would kind of stay there until he got into position. And then you would go run out on the left and right side, immediately kill the sword bearer pick up the sword and then go to damage. And then once damage was done and the sword despawned, you'd go back into that room, which had the protective glass and he couldn't damage you. So you're like, I would say 80% of the encounter, you're standing behind glass. And supposedly, I, I don't know, like I've done it before. I don't, I, it seems like kind of like people saw things that didn't, but like if you pointed or emoted at him, he would like point at you supposedly uh <laughs> no that was that was because he would lift his hand to do the attack right but you're not there so he right. wouldn't do it exactly that, and yeah, that's that's yeah. what it was but it like it looks like he points at you when you emote at him but that's yeah, cool. so so but yeah for that that 20 percent where you have to kill the sword bearer he is constantly frying you and i want to say he did more damage back then or i think we were just more squishy back then because you couldn't put if you, you if you were a sword bearer and you and you didn't time it right with right with the people shooting the rockets he would just kill you right like if you jumped up and he wasn't downed right so most he would just right slap you. so most of the time the the strategy was you would be a, an arc hunter where if you crouched you would go invis and so you'd crouch on the rock and say okay i'm in position down him and you kind of coordinate, you know, a three, two, one, and that would cause you to jump up on there. His shield would come down, he'd kneel, and you'd slap him a bunch of times. You would drop the sword, knife him, and that would allow you to go invisible again because that was one of the the uh, the things that you could select from your, your nodes. And then you'd pick up the sword again, be invisible. That would give you time to kind of go back down and crouch, and then you could shoot him with rockets. So most of the time, if you were the hunter, you were the sword bearer because you had invisibility effects on arc. And again, this is before void hunter was a thing. Um, and so they, they made it, but now they, they did change things in age of triumph where bubble, like weapons of light actually would buff the sword damage. So then it became yeah. a strategy of an, a, a void Titan would go and put a bubble on one of the rocks 
And then, then the hunter could then hide inside that bubble and stay alive, but also get the, the weapons of light buff. So you would actually do more damage and could cycle him faster. So That's interesting. But yeah, so for that, like like Map was saying, you if you were a sword bearer, you definitely had to be very cognizant of what was going on. And and the idea because was I'm... what if you killed the boomers, it would cause more of them to spawn. So you'd want to kill one, yeah. but you wouldn't want to kill the other. Um so and and you would kind of maybe like plink them down a little bit because that would keep attention on the team that was doing rockets instead of like the sword bearer because the sword bearer had to stay alive. That was kind of the the only because they'd have the chalice, right? Well. Exactly. Yeah, the sword bearer usually had the chalice so they could heal. But then on hard mode, you didn't have the chalice, so it didn't matter. Um. Yeah. Yeah. These are these were very I, like the the things the shady shit that we used to have to do to try to get through a raid make me laugh now because no it was like it was like crazy things where yeah you you and and we would we would use the exploit of you you'd use a no land beyond to dump all of your ammo and then put on icebreaker and then it would cause everything to drop a ton of heavy ammo because there'd be a cooldown of when you could use your heavy ammo synth and most of the time you'd wipe and it wouldn't be time to use another heavy ammo synth or people would be cheapskates and not buy heavy ammo synth so we'd like Hmm. we'd wipe and then everyone have to dump all of their stuff and then put on icebreaker because then it would induce the the no ammo glitch and then it would cause a bunch of heavy bricks to fall and then you'd change it. And then also when you started the encounter, you would stand on the crystals to get the whole thing to inform and then you would jump. You know, there's a bunch of doorways with like ledges. Everyone would jump on those doorways and ledges because otherwise the acolytes would like fry you as soon as the the side doors opened up. So there's all these like little goofy things that we all did to kind of cobble and, and manage to survive. And like, I definitely, I I will say I have more nostalgia for this raid than I do Vault of Glass because the number of, of, of sleepless nights that I spent trying to do LFG teams, because I wasn't in a clan at the time, number of times that I would try to get three hard mode raids in just to get a word of Crota or to get Fang of Ear Ute was like, I would, I don't want to share uh because it was because you could only get the weapon you could only get the the primaries from the hard mode version of the raid that's the only place that they dropped and at the time those were elemental primaries which were super super important for the original d1 because that's when like arc burn and solar burn did like three times damage like than a normal primary so like fate bringer and vision of confluence and, and fang of your and all of those were so important because they were elemental primaries and so you had to get them and the only way you could get them was from hard mode versions of the raid so that's cool i'm not i'm not proud of the time that i've spent but i will say i still have my year one Fatebringer and Vision of Confluence on my D1 account because I am proud of <laughs> how much time I've wasted in those raids. That's awesome. But yeah, that's that's so janky. I love it. Oh yeah, All the no, it was weird ev- stuff. Yeah. And you didn't have to do that kind of stuff in Vault of Glass. Vault of Glass hard mode just required like a solid team of like competency and people had to go in and like kill the oracles and you couldn't you couldn't really cheese it in the same way like ultimately like when the raid first came out people could use like vortex needs to get them to fall off the side but like if you were trying to do hard mode atheon because you wanted vex the class like it was a it was it was just more of a challenge of skill than 
this like shady, like what's the one helmet that gives you health pickups on orbs and like, yeah. So that's about all we have to talk about as far as Kurtisan goes. Um, we also talked about the the crafting situation, the DDoS situation. So if you guys had or would like to further the discussion at all, please um, follow us on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it at this point. Send us a message, send us an email, whatever. Uh, always looking to hear from you guys. Um, follow our Twitch. And without further ado, we'll see you next time. You can put this voice recording away and go on with your life, because you and I both know you'd have me yapping in your ear for the rest of your days. Want to further the discussion? Get in touch with us at any of our Twitter handles, all of which can be found in our podcast description.